This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. I'm so grateful you're here today. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Prevenex. If you are looking for a clean and effective product, check out Prevenex multivitamins and supplements as well as their protein powder. And if you are a runner looking for longevity in the sport, do not sleep on their Joint Health Plus. Joint Health Plus is clinically proven to offer the most comprehensive and complete joint protection and relief available on the market. And if you are looking for a protein powder, look no further. They have chocolate and vanilla. It's delicious. 10 grams of protein with one scoop, 20 grams with two scoops. And it also provides you with so many other vitamins and minerals that other protein powders do not. Go to Prevenex.com and use the code ANOTHER to save 15% off your order. Today's episode is such a fun episode. I've wanted to interview this person for a long time, and you're listening to episode 316, and I'm talking with Stephanie Flippin. Stephanie recently grabbed the national title in the USATF 100-mile championships. A huge day for Stephanie. She ran 1435-21 for 100 miles in 845 per mile on average, a 40-minute course record, third overall, first female, and sixth all-time American woman at that distance. Truly an incredible day for Stephanie. Now, if you are not following Stephanie on Instagram, I am telling you, you need to go do that. Her name is Stephanie Ann Flippin over there, and her Instagram is just, it's Got so many great pictures, but also so many great words. She is so good at this thing. And in this podcast, you're going to hear about how she got to this point in her career where she had this breakthrough performance. Stephanie is also a doctor. She's a surgeon, an ankle and foot surgeon. She co-owns a practice with her husband, and she's also a coach for Lift, Run, Perform. So she has so much going on, and you're going to hear all about it in this episode. If you enjoy it, please reach out to Stephanie and let her know how you enjoy the conversation. But also, if you could leave us a rating and review, that is a huge help in new listeners finding the show. So I ask that every week, and I really mean it, and I really appreciate everyone who does. So thank you. And if you're looking for more content from me and this podcast, I have a Patreon page, and we put out weekly episodes over there as well. That's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Stephanie. All right. Well, today on I'll Have Another, we have Stephanie Flippin on the show. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it looks nice and beautiful in Colorado because I can see out your window right now. <laughs> yeah, um, this is like the most quiet space I have right now. This is our dining room. Um, yeah, it's actually, I think a big storm is about to roll in though. Oh, there's something really peaceful about that, like right before it happens. Yes, yes, yes. And we don't, we typically don't get a lot of rain either. So it's been kind of nice. So I saw, I don't know if it was your Instagram or your husband's that you guys bought land. So are you guys building? Yeah, we are. Um, we we purchased land last year in 2020. We had to put the build. Um, we had to put some things on hold. Obviously, we actually closed down our land like the last day in February. So literally right before COVID exploded. Wow. Um, <laughs> um, so it was. Um, I mean, I guess you could look at it a couple different ways. I mean, the timing just was what it was. But um, we had to put things on hold for a little bit. Um, but yeah, we're finally moving forward with things now. So. Yeah, yeah, somebody was telling me that the cost of like lumber and stuff is just crazy right now. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we have been hoping that that comes down. I think at its highest, I think lumber was at like 300% or something like outrageous. Um, so we're just hoping things continue to normalize. Yeah, well, that's so exciting. I've always said like it would be a dream to be able to build and just like have the space just how you want it like an open concept and you know mm -hmm. like little custom things here yep. and there. like I have a dream of having my boys in like four bunks in one room that are like built yep. into the wall so in those are yeah. things you can only do if you build really right 
Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a kind of a big decision for us, obviously, but um, it kind of made the most sense um, for us just in terms of what was available in our area and oh, things like sure, that. So, sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's just the two of us um, and we're, we're both pretty um, environmentally conscious. So a lot of a lot of the mountain homes are either like they're enormous. So it's like a huge space to have to heat, um, you know, and it's like, well, it's just the two of us Not right necessary. now. We don't, yeah, we don't need or want like 5,000 square feet of, of old homes. So, oh yeah. my gosh, our house was built in 19, like 12. And yes, old homes are like yeah. so expensive to heat. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, so yeah, it made most sense for us. That's so fun. Okay, so yeah. you guys live in Evergreen, Colorado. And mm-hmm. I am like in awe of your life being a doctor running 100 miles a week. And I'm just like, I'm just inspired. I was you. Your Instagram, Stephanie, is amazing. Oh, thank you. Because your pictures are beautiful, but like it's not just that. Like you know, they say you do Instagram well if you have like really great pictures or really great words, and you have both. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I do have to credit my husband to snapping all the photos. I feel I can't take credit for that aspect of it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you also have a beautiful backdrop. (laughs) Yes, that's true. In Colorado. Um, Well, I, you know, I've wanted to have you on for a while, but you recently had the most amazing accomplishment. Um, First female, 1435 in the 100 miler, making you the USATF 100 mile national champion. How does that feel? Congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, You know, I think that day will always have a sense of um, surrealism around it. I don't know that I'll ever kind of accept that it actually happened. Um, Yeah, it was just, it was a really, really great day. I feel like, you know, we all know how many factors need to come together to have, you know, that, you know, breakout moment, that breakout day. you know, it's, it's certainly like not everything went perfectly, but I think a combination of like where my mind was at, um, you know, the training that I was able to get in leading up to it. Um, just I didn't feel any pressure on myself mm-hmm. going into the day. Um, I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, and it ended up just going about as well as I could have hoped. So I have heard that so many times from yeah the hundreds of interviews I've done when we like relieve yeah. that pressure from ourselves we like open the door to so many more possibilities. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, if any anyone that's listening that's been following my my journey through running, um, you know, I wasn't, I didn't really start off like in the competitive space with running. So I initially, there, there was no pressure ever. You know, I was running for fun. I was running as a stress reliever, um, you know, and as I kind of um, left medical school and left residency, I, I tended, I had a little bit more time to place on training. Um, but I think that's kind of a double-edged sword, you know, kind of the more focused I got and the more um, kind of as I inched towards being more competitive, um, it was a balancing act for sure. Um, I think I got a little bit, I started to take myself a little bit too seriously and then had to back away from that. Um, and I, I just feel really fortunate and grateful that it, um, I was able to kind of string together training blocks that ultimately led up to the national championship. So how did you get to that place mentally? What did you do to make that happen? Yeah. Um, you know, like as we've all kind of emerged from 2020, um, and just the most bizarre year, um, ever. And and for so many different reasons, um, I think I really realized that I couldn't really sustain, you know, the pressure that I was putting on myself. It really had nothing to do with anyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, it's largely my personality. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of runners are type A. Um, and I just really had to evaluate like why I was doing everything. Um, and just the fact that n- no one really cared what my specific goals were. No one, you know, I, I think we've all heard the saying that, you know, we, we're all personally are the ones that care the most yeah. about our goals and our times and things like that. So I just really had to take a step back. Um, sorry, my dog is trying to get up in here. Um, I just really had to take a step back um, and think about what really sounded exciting to me, um, what I really wanted to focus on. Um, You know, I think um, I got kind of caught up in, you know, chasing certain time goals and things like that, um, which, you know, are wonderful and I still have, um, but I really needed to focus on what sounded fun and exciting to me. Okay. Yeah. Because I started following along with you, I think a little bit before you did the training for the trial series with Matt on Rambling Mm -hmm. Runner. So 
talk about that experience. You know, you had this big goal, run 244. Yeah. You came away running 254, which was also, mm-hmm. by the way, a massive PR to everybody. Yes, listening. it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. But definitely. like the heartbreak of that experience of like putting yeah. yourself out there, not meeting that goal, but then like sure. re- just like getting back to the love of running. Yeah, yeah you know, oddly enough, I... I just, I really did enjoy the experience. Cause like I mentioned before, I really hadn't ever been like competitive, especially not in like the road marathon or any like even shorter distances, things like that. Um, so it kind of came at me pretty quickly. Um, you know, and as we saw, you know, there were so many other women going after mm-hmm. that time standard, you know, many women that were much more talented th- than, than myself that also like fell short. I don't know. I, I mean, I was bummed obviously, but it in the big scheme of things, I guess it wasn't this like lifelong goal that I'd been working towards for years upon years. Um, and I, I felt like I didn't really want to take away from so many of the women that have been working towards that goal for so long. Um, for myself, it was like, Hey, you know, let's see, you know, let's see what we can do in a year. Um, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, obviously it's a lot easier for me to kind of look back mm-hmm. and have that mindset, um, you know, in, in the day to day and the weeks to weeks throughout training. Um, I don't know. I just felt like there was just, there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of pressure I was putting on myself. Um, and I was still running, like you said, like massive PRs along the way. Um, you know, and I think, I think it was a wonderful learning experience for me, um, and of what to do and what not to do in terms of how I approach training. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I think it's really set me up well, um, to have a, you know, a healthy mindset with running moving forward. So, and you still got that well below sub three marathon time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I feel like it's, it's always something to really celebrate. Um, I know there are a lot of other listeners out there that may have fallen, you know, we've all fallen short, you know, whether it's in running or other personal or professional goals. Um, but I, I just like to zoom out, you know, it's just another stepping stone, um, you know, and who knows what can happen in another year, um, or, or two or five or 10. So, yeah. Okay. So, but before you trained for the trial, so that was 2019, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I'm bummed we could have met because you I were know, in Indianapolis. I, I know. I know. Start it. Um, but you had already done hundred milers. You were already yeah. into the ultra scene. So mm-hmm. what made, was it this, was it like the onset of like everybody trying to train for the trials that made you like excited? Like, Hey, why not give this a go and step away from like yeah. hundred milers for a bit? Yeah. You know, I think I hadn't really been like, I hadn't really ever focused on like speed work, um, consistently. Um, you know, the times that I'd been running on the roads, they, they always seem fairly easy. You know, I, I hadn't ever really been training specifically for it. Um, so I knew I had, you know, there was more potential there, um, to, to go after. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it was really exciting. You know, the, you know, the elite women's like field, just everyone just rising to the occasion. It was super exciting. Um, and it was fun to kind of be a part of all of that um, with teammates, um, you know, other women that were going after it. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, I, I think it was a fun goal to go after. And it, like I said, it kind of set me up well um, in terms of looking to what's next after that. Uh, phase of training. So, okay. I do not know if I read this wrong or it was a typo. Yeah. But tell me this when you ran Tunnel Hill in 1555, yeah. <laughs> was that an 11 hour PR? It was. It was. Holy um, yeah. crap. <laughs> like, that's no joke. Yeah. Um, you know, and for, for any of like your trail and ultra listeners out there, you know, they, they're probably understanding that, yeah. okay, like she probably had never ran like a, like a non mountainous hundred miler, sure. um, you know, in a flatter race. Um, sure, sure. Yeah. So that, that does play a, play a role there too. Um, but yeah, I, I actually had prior to that, I had never, um, I just hadn't had a great day in the hundred mile distance to even like dip below 24 hours on top of the course. Like, right, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, all the other hundred milers I, I had ran, um, it had either been just awful conditions or it had, like I said, been like a mountainous race and, sure. you know, a, a faster time, like under 20 hours just was out of the question for the course. So, so yeah, obviously like if you're doing like, I don't know what to compare it to like Mohican or something like that, where you're, up, sure. you know, up and down and up and down, it's a totally different course than when you're doing tunnel Hill or mm-hmm. the race that you did in Nevada. It's where it's like, 
kind of flat and you can kind of actually run. You don't have to hike up hills. Right. That's just so much more time on your feet on those mountainous courses. Like, is that kind of a different race? Yeah, it definitely is. That's for sure. Um, And I think like I'd never really like I've always enjoyed ultra running. But like prior to this past November, when I raced Tunnel Hill, I think a part of my like hesitation to kind of return to 100 milers is I was like, gosh, you know, I I hadn't I haven't felt like I've mastered the like running through the night um, Mm. portion. Um, You know, it's just something that I've always really needed a lot of like mental focus on um, and like night runs. I I mean, you could say that for anyone. Night running is not easy by any means. Um, But so something that drew me to um, like a race like Tunnel Hill um, as well as the national championships was that um, like in a, you know, in a perfect, you know, race day, I wouldn't have to be running through the night. Um, so yeah, that's something that I was kind of intrigued by, um, to go after. Um, and like I said, it was just kind of a different sort of race setting, um, for the hundred mile distance than I'd done previously. So for those listening, she won this race It's the USATF championships. And I have no idea who else was in the field, like what their performance was or whatnot, but I I do know that Camille Heron was in the field. So I'm assuming when you get to the start line, knowing who Camille Heron is, you're thinking, Maybe I'll get second. I don't know. Yeah. You tell me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, Camille is a wonderful friend. Um, I'm so honored to call her a friend after the national championships. Um, she's a wonderful person, but um, she was a late entry um, into the race. Um, so uh, on top of that, though, but before I even knew that she was running the race, they were, the field was probably the most um, packed elite field that I'd ever lined up for. I mean, outside of like a road, a large road marathon or anything like that. Um, definitely in the ultra running space. Um, just a lot of very talented runners. Um, you know, there's American record holders also lining up, um, and many members of team USA, um, for the 24 hour hour team. Yeah. Um, you know, in the men's field, um, you know, Zach Bitter was also racing and, and just tons of other talented men. So, um, you know, I didn't really, you know, I, I, I largely put myself, um, into this race and wanted to run it because I knew that the caliber of talent was high. Um, and I knew that I really needed to get out of my comfort zone and line up with the best of the best, um, knowing that in doing so, I would also be able to get the best out of myself on the day. Um, and that's actually what I ended up telling my friend, um, Micah, the day before we were just chatting, um, you know, and I, I, none of us knew how things were going to play out with such like an incredible field. Um, that's honestly kind of rare to see in the ultra running space. Mm -hmm. It it can be difficult to get everyone like lined up. Usually, you know, each, each, you know, professional or elite ultra runner has their own kind of race, um, schedule lined up obviously. And it's tough to get everyone together for one single race. Um, so it was exciting. Um, and I didn't go into it, you know, with a specific podium goal by any means, um, I really just was wanting to focus on, like I said, getting the best out of myself on the day. Now, listen, everybody, I have gotten myself into trouble before. I I made a comment one time to Kira D'Amato and I was later I listened back and I was like, you kind of sound like a jerk when you said that. And now, you know what I mean? So when I say that to the listeners, like Camille Heron, you know, she's the Comrades Marathon champion. (laughs) And it's not too like underestimate Stephanie. It's just Camille no, has no, this no. like certain stature to her name at yes. this point in her career. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I would never, ever take offense to that. I would never, never, ever take it in a negative way. So, okay. So you, you didn't go into it like with the idea, like I'm going to try to podium, but like right. you also, it sounds like based on your training, you, you were training really well for this and yeah. like, did you think it's kind of like with Kira? I, you know, when I interview her, it's like mm-hmm. she told me, I felt like I, I fe- kind of feel like I've had this like secret. Like I knew what I yeah. had in me that I could unleash, yeah. and nobody mm-hmm. really knew yet until she yeah. went and did the darn thing at the marathon project. Right. right. So, like, did you kind of feel like you had something that you were unleashing that people might not have realized how trained and good you were going to be? Um, you know, I, I mean, to a certain extent, yes, um, just because I don't think I talked about my race at Tunnel Hill too much in terms of like how I felt um, my training leading up into it. Um, You know, Tunnel Hill was largely like a time trial 100 miler. Um, Mm. That's just not ideal for anyone. Um, It was a truncated field size. Um, There was no pacers allowed. Um, So, you know, I... 
the first wave for Tunnel Hill, I was like the only female. Um, there was nine other men um, and they all took off um, ahead of me. So I was kind of stuck in no man's land. Um, you know, my husband was like single crewing for me um, and I had no pacers. So, wow. um, yeah, you know, and my training leading up to Tunnel Hill um, hadn't been quite so ideal. Um, I'd had a lot of stress with work and stuff like that. So I never I didn't want to detract like from, you know, taking the female win and running like an enormous PR for me. Um, but it actually wasn't my strongest race. Mm-hmm. Um there was, I just wasn't pleased with like how my legs were feeling at 50 miles. I just knew I could have done a lot of things differently. Um, again, though, it was my first return to racing in a long, you know, over a year. And, you know, I hadn't run a hundred miler in like two and a half years. So it was still like a a learning curve for me to get back into it. Um, but I just knew, I knew that the time I'd ran at Tunnel Hill wasn't necessarily reflective Mm -hmm. of my, my fitness and what I could do with, you know, a a better, uh, more high quality training block. Um, so I really focused on, um, you know, like kind of correcting and filling in the gaps, um, that I felt like I'd missed at Tunnel Hill in November to turn around, um, and see what I could do and how I could improve at the national championships. Um, so yeah, I, I, I knew of like the training um, that I put in and I, I was definitely placing a lot of trust in what I'd done. Um, but then again, there were so many outside factors, you know, a, you know, the depth of the field B it got up to like 89 degrees. Oh, that's so hot. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, I had prepared for it, um, with heat training and things like that. And my husband and I had a good plan in place on how to keep me cool throughout the race. But, you know, in conditions like that, it's like, you just never know how your body's going to react, even if you've prepared well for it. Um, you know, cause I had many friends, um, that were racing the national championships that live, you know, that live down in the South, like much warmer, like humid places than, than I do here in Colorado. Um, you know, they've been training in those conditions and that, you know, you know, they still, you know, we all struggled at certain points though. Yeah. There's a picture of your husband, like giving you a wet washcloth or something and you look very hot. Yes. Yeah. Um, fortunately, you know, it's the course, you know, you can't, you can't always have like a crew that you're seeing every mile. Um, but because it was looped, um, you know, we were all able to get, you know, doused in cold water, ice bandanas and things like that about, you know, just over each mile. So that was also super helpful. All right, everybody, a quick break here to let you know about Whoop. They are a fitness wearable that provides 24-7 personalized insights around your sleep, recovery, and daily activity. And listen, you do not have to be an elite athlete to invest in a product like this. This is so helpful. You put so much time out there running all those miles. You might as well figure out all the details so that you can recover the best you can so that you can perform the best you can. This is different than your standard GPS watch. It's focused on your body's recovery and everyone knows that runners aren't always the best at taking off days or listening to their bodies. So this is the little nudge you need if you need a little extra sleep or you need a little extra recovery day. Who doesn't like a recovery day? It feels so good. I've been wearing my Whoop and let me tell you how good it feels to wake up in the morning and see eight hours on the board. It also encourages me to go to bed early because I know that in the morning I'm going to check that watch. Whoop has impacted my training in a positive way and I know it can do that for you as well. Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code ANOTHER at checkout. Go to whoop, W-H-O-O-P dot com and enter ANOTHER to get 15% off. Sleep better, recover faster, run faster. Get to the start line healthy with Whoop. All right, back to my conversation with Stephanie. Did you literally run a 1.2 mile loop like <laughs> yes. 90, 90 times or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I think it was 1.18 or 1.17. So it was a total of like 85 laps. Yeah. Okay, so that makes this really interesting because mm-hmm. a lot of ultra races, you, you like, you know, I'll just say Western states, for example, like right. you can get intel on like how far back someone is. Yes. But you really know. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Um, and I think when I was going into this race, I knew that, and I knew that just to not get caught up in that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I large, I mean, I think I ran, I probably got to like mile 70. Um, and I, I really didn't know at all, like what place I was in. Um, I mean, I, obviously I knew, you know, I could tell that I was probably in the top three, but I didn't know 
for women. I didn't know where I was overall. Um, and probably up until mile 70, I was definitely running with like blinders up. Um, I wasn't like focusing on who was, you know, stopping, you know, and who was at like the aid station, who was, who, who was hurting things like that. Um, so with a loop course, yes, you are right. Like I could always kind of tell, you know, the general like positioning of people, but I also, it was becoming difficult to tell because um, Camille took off ahead of me. I wasn't, you know, I had a different pacing strategy. Um, so I, I had no idea that she had like, you know, stopped to like take a shower or something or to get doused. And similarly, like with another female competitor that I was running um, with, like I had no idea that she'd pulled off, you know, and was in an aid, right. uh, one of the tents. So I didn't know like which lap, you know, we were each on. So and the laps um, are so short that like, right. yeah. Yeah. So that added an element too. Um, but thankfully, you know, my husband was keeping track as my crew. So. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So talk to me about the race plan on a course like that, where, you know, yeah. like it's not super hilly. Right. You probably had an idea of what pace you were going to run for the race. Yeah. What was it like eight mm-hmm. four eight forty five or something? Yeah. Yeah. Eight forty five ended up being my average pace. Uh, Is that what you thought you yeah. could do? Um. You know what? So the hundred mile distance, um, and especially I knew like with the heat going into it, um, it was kind of tough. I actually didn't write myself like a structured pace plan. Um, just knowing that okay, I wanted to be competitive at this race, so. I wasn't going to like strictly stick to a pace if everyone else was, you know, way far ahead of me. I didn't want to get, you know, dragged, you know, just drug behind and not like be in it. Um, so I just told myself, you know, keep things feeling easy and sustainable. Um, I also had to take into account though, that when the race started, it was cooler. Mm. Um, so you never really want to bank time, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like, but it's a little, you have to be a little bit strategic in a hundred miler uh-huh. knowing that the peak, you know, heat of the day, you are going to slow down because of that. Um, so, you know, I think I went, I, I don't know what my marathon split was, but I think I was in, I, I think I was like 730 to 745, you know, for uh, up until probably like 50k um around that mark and then I I knew you know keeping track on my watch what hour it was and I I knew like once it hit like noon one o'clock that I was just everyone was inevitably going to slow down yeah um so I just made sure things felt easy at all times so and just steady that's such a good point because Mm -hmm. it's also different than like a marathon per se even though a marathon is a long distance to run right because like if you go out too hard in a marathon you're probably yeah. going out hard enough that you're probably going to kill your legs. Right. But like you're not speeding up enough that like your exactly. legs are going to take that toll that they would if exactly. you dropped it down in the marathon. Right, right. Yeah, I know. I had this, I had a conversation with another, um, someone else about this too. And I, it's tough because it's like the, like, you know, seven, I think a few of my miles were like seven fifteen, which is definitely still like my easy pace. But, you know, for this type of a race, um, my overall paces, it's just such a wide range of easy paces, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, so much strategy that went into that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you feel good? Like, when did you, th- when did you get to the point in the race where you were like, okay, we're, uh, we are really working now. Yeah, you know, fortunately, I think because I had just been focused on remaining steady the whole time, um, you know, I, I don't think that I really started to feel and this is largely due to my training, I was really, really pleased with how I, you know, how far I was able to get before I started to really feel it. Um, I think I was really starting to feel it like once I hit like late eighties and on the last 10 miles of the race. Um, and I don't know if it was so much physical. Um, I was kind of struggling with, um, I was cramping, but it wasn't like salt induced. I I had definitely been taking in enough salt. I think it was largely because I hadn't trained, um, a lot with holding my handheld bottle. Mm. Um, so just like the, the added weight of it, I mean, for a marathon, that's like, it's usually typically fine, but once you're, I mean, once you're holding it for so long, that just weight and with my arm bent a certain way, I was starting to have really bad hand cramping. Um, and like my arms were just like not extending. Um, so I was battling that. Um, but I think I more so started to feel like the mental pressure of things or like late eighties, like mile 90, um, simply because at that point, like all the spectators, like all the race, you know, workers and all the other runners were like, you know, it was becoming very evident that, um, like I had a very, you know, I was, I had been in the lead now for a while. 
Um, but I needed to maintain it because Camille was starting to feel better and coming back. Um, so it, oh, I think so much pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was more of like the the just the pressure of like keeping my lead and not letting that go. I it wasn't so much like a physical like oh my gosh I'm tired. I, I of course was tired and fatiguing, but you know with the short loops and you know I, there were so many spectators out and everyone was like you know shouting out splits and like my like the USATF um, reps were there and you know, other like professional runners were like consulting with my husband about like, you know, my strategy and how I had to maintain, you know, this, I, I had like a seven minute lead that I had to maintain. Um, I, I really couldn't afford to slow down or else I was probably going to lose the the title. So <laughs> I think it was more of a, a mental pressure um, at that point that I'd really never experienced anything like that before at the end of a race. So pressure that you might not have realized you were getting yourself into before the race. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like it was like strangers were out there, you know, like screaming my name and they're like, (laughs) all right, like you got like, hold this pace. You know, I remember like, I can't remember what mile it was, but, um, like I, I just like peed into my shorts. Cause I was like, (laughs) I literally do. I don't have time to do I think it was like mile 95. I'm like, just go. It's fine. I'll get hosed off. Oh, for Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I never anticipated, you know, when I lined up the morning of that, this is how the day would unfold and that, you know, everyone would be on their feet, like chanting. I mean, it was electrifying. I like, it was an experience that I will never forget. And I, I'm just, I'm so grateful to have, to have had the experience, but it certainly wasn't what I had anticipated, like when I started in the morning. So how much did you beat Camille by? seven minutes. Oh, so you kept that seven <laughs> yeah, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to like keep that buffer. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that's I think, less than a lap. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was close. Um, I think, um, what ended up happening is that, um, all three of us top three women, um, were technically on the same lap okay. all at the same time. So we were, I mean, we were obviously staggered. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty, I mean, for a hundred mile distance, that's very close. Yeah, it so, is. Obviously. Um, yeah. Is uh, third place. Who is that? Uh, Micah Morgan. Oh, Micah Morgan. Oh, that's who yeah. you were talking to before yes. the race. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. So when you entered the last lap there, you knew you still had the seven minutes. Um, you know what? I was starting to get delirious at that point. Sure. Uh, yeah. Like I was really, I mean, I was like talking, I was like running with like two other guys um, that were, I think they were part of like the 48 hour race that was going at the same time. I was fairly out of it. Um, I think I had kind of slacked on my nutrition like the last five miles because it was just like, we were just so focused on maintaining the lead. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I was pretty delirious in the last lap. That's for sure. Um, I just remember my husband like grabbing my bottle um, and yelling like, enjoy this lap, like, you know, enjoy it for yourself. Um, And yeah, I mean, it it just, that last lap, just that last mile just felt so surreal. Um, I think a part of me just kind of wanted it to be over, not from the, from a physical like running standpoint, but just so that there was no more like mental pressure. Uh, Um, Like I just wanted closure on the race. Um, Like I just remember thinking that I'm like, I kind of, I just want this to be over. So I know what the outcome is. So I don't either way. Yeah. Like I just, yeah. I don't, I don't want to like disappoint folks anymore. Like I just want to like know how it ends, um, which it, in hindsight, it sounds kind of silly for me to say that, but um, I just remember thinking that in the last mile. So, Oh, I would have, I would have been thinking that too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you, do you, I mean, this is like kind of a career defining, not kind of, this is a career defining moment for you in the world. Yeah. Of right. Right. Yeah. Um, what, what, like, what do you make of it and what do you do with it? Yeah, you know, like I said, I mean, deep down, I I knew that the time that I ran and perfectly clear too. I had no idea what time I was going to finish it. I hadn't been looking at my watch like at all, all day. I'd really only just glanced down to just check what time of day it was. Um, You know, I think my watch got off a little bit on total mileage, but um, I, I had no idea. Like, I didn't know if we were at 15 hours. I didn't know how much under 15 hours we were. Um, But I think, you know, a part of me, I I knew that I would, you know, my goal was to dip under 15 hours. I just didn't know by how much um, would be possible with the conditions. Um, But yeah, I, I, you know, I I knew deep down that I had that type of time and that fitness in me, but I don't think that prior to lining up for the race that I even thought further than, you know, just having a good day for myself. I didn't think, 
I didn't even know, you know, I had a general idea of what like the top 10, like all time um, American women times were for the distance. But, you know, that wasn't something I was shooting for or anything like that. Um, Did this put you at six? I thought I read. Yeah. 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 Six all time. So that's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like, like I said, I think it'll always feel a little bit surreal to me just because, you know, I'm not a professional runner. I'm not someone that set out, you know, you know, to gather accolades or anything like that. It, you know, it has really just always been something I've enjoyed doing. Um, but I definitely have a a separate professional career too. So yeah. yeah, for those listening, um, Stephanie is a doctor. Now, tell us about your practice with your husband. Yeah, so uh, my husband and I met in medical school. Um, we um, were in the Detroit area for our residencies. Um, we both knew that we wanted to be in um, like a mountain area um, to try to open up our own practice together. Um, we were fortunate to find someone that was retiring um, in like the Lakewood Golden area uh, for anyone that's familiar with Colorado and like the Denver area. Um, so yeah, we took over, um, in 20, in the summer of 2018. Um, yeah. And we have just kind of slowly been building up our practice since then. Um, we went through a pretty rough, uh, year in 2020 because of COVID, um, you know, any business owners and you too, Lindsay are familiar with, it's like, even though we took over for someone that, um, for a doctor that was retiring, I mean, she had largely phased out. She hadn't been taking on new patients. So we really had to do a lot to turn around the practice and to grow it. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't like starting from scratch, but it, you know, it was closer to that than it was like a turnkey, um, practice or business model. Um, so 2020 was pretty rough, rough for us because that was supposed to be, you know, a large year of growth and we had a lot of plans to do it and we just had to shift things around and put certain things on hold. Um, but yeah, you know, that was, that was something that, you know, the stress of all that, I just didn't know how it was really going to impact, um, you know, like my training and, um, returning to racing. So I, I feel fortunate to have been able to kind of balance the two the best I could. So, okay. So you guys are foot and ankle specialists. Tell us about what you guys do. Yeah. So, um, you know, my husband and I both, um, completed, um, resident surgical residencies, like I said, in the Detroit area. Um, yeah, we, um, we pretty much treat anything and everything, um, in the foot and the ankle, whether it's trauma, whether it's diabetics, whether it's elective surgeries, um, you know, our area here in Colorado is fairly healthy. Um, so we don't typically see like the, you know, a similar patient demographic like we did, um, in the Detroit area. Um, but yeah, so, you know, a lot of our surgeries are elective, um, like for athletes. Yeah. Yeah. We see any, we see, we see a fair amount of athletes. Um, but we also see peds, uh, you know, children all the way up to, um, like older folks and things like that. Um, and yeah, so I, you know, like I said, a lot of our surgeries are elective. So we are unfortunately impacted quite a bit by closure of elective surgeries in 2020. Yeah, Yeah. I think there was there was like six months where we like really couldn't operate. So that was, that was a rough patch. So what does that look like business wise? Like I'm sure you have a receptionist and like nurses in your office and stuff. So like, what did that look like? Yeah. So we were fortunate to be able um, to keep all of our staff at full pay throughout the pandemic. That was something that was really important to us just, um, you know, and we were just very clear and open um, about like the books and stuff like that. And, you know, my, my husband and I didn't take paychecks for the majority of the year, um, wow. you know, so that we could sustain our staff. And, um, it, you know, it just, we feel fortunate, you know, that we didn't have to close. I know that there are many other businesses that had to. So in the big scheme of things, we, you know, we made it through and, and we feel happy about that. So it's just wild because, you know, throughout the pandemic, you, at least for me, and I'm sure a lot of other people, you didn't, I didn't think about like medical practices struggling. Yeah. You know, with specialists and even, you know, I even have like primary care colleagues too, you know, that had to take out, you know, like private loans just in order to be able to float, um, like you said, like staff salaries and things like that. Um, you know, we were fortunate, um, to receive like some government assistance, but I mean, nothing that could really ever make up for the true, the losses that we sustained from the year. Um, you know, we, we had a, a significant number of, um, of older, like elderly patients as well that we see like on a routine basis. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, there was a pretty significant loss of life. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if those patients were in like assisted living and things like that. Um, so that was a, that was a pretty rough aspect, um, of the year. I'm sure we, we all know, um, have experienced loss at this point from the pandemic, but, um, 
yeah, that impacted us as well. Um, yeah, it was definitely a tough time. Yeah, you because you mentioned earlier that you know stress at work and things like that. If, yeah, you know you didn't know how that would affect you. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's wild to hear you you talk back through that. How do you? Yeah. You know, once things are, you know, things are getting back going and, and sure. whatnot, mm-hmm. how do you now like go forward with like, you know, you want to grow your business, you want to, yeah. per- you know, pursue that and be yeah. successful in that. But also now you kind of have this new, like, okay, well, I'm a national champion in the hundred mile or right. like, how do you pursue both at yeah. such a high level? Right. Yeah. You know, I think um, it's been really, really helpful that my husband and I are in practice together. I mean, he's also a runner, so he definitely understands like my goals and things like that. Um, I think we've had conversations about, um, you know, maybe me backing off Mm -hmm. certain days, like with hours and things like that, just so that I can so that I can continue to have the time to put in the training that's required um, for, you know, competitive ultra running. Um, So that's been really helpful. I feel like he's, you know, my biggest supporter in it. um, And we can really kind of balance, um, you know, patient load and things like that. Um, You know, and we've discussed potentially, you know, moving forward, depending on, um, you know, certain races and my certain goals that, you know, I may, you know, like I said, I just may back off um, with taking new patients and things like that. Um, but I, I never want to stop doing, um, being a doctor or a surgeon. I mean, it's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, so it's not ever something that I would want to just absolutely leave behind. How cool though, that, you know, as challenging as it has been that you guys own your own practice and together that you can kind of, you can create that balance that you want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's funny to hear you say that because sometimes I don't, sometimes I just get so carried away with, every, you know, the day to day and everything, you know, all of our, my responsibilities and things like that. Um, like being a business owner, sometimes I forget like, oh my gosh, like in the past three years, this is all that my husband and I and our practice and our employees have weathered together. Um, sometimes it's, um, like I kind of forget just how much it's been, um, and, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we took, my husband and I took that risk together in terms of, you know, you know, becoming business owners as opposed to, it probably would have been a lot easier to just try to get hired on as an associate, like under someone else. Yeah. Um, you know, that would have definitely been a lot easier, but, um, yeah, I, I'm glad that we took this step together because like I said, it's, it's given me a lot of opportunities with running that I might not have had otherwise, just solely based on the fact that I couldn't do my own hours and structure my own schedule. So yeah, it's it's yeah. like a double-edged sword in a way because it's yeah. like such a big risk and right. of course it's scary because like if everything falls on you, it's your business, but like right. the freedom in that as well. Yeah. Man, yeah. that's amazing. Yes. Uh you met in medical school. So how long have you guys been married? We have been married for 4 years. Um our anniversary is May 27th. So oh, coming up on 4 years. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to hear more about like him supporting you in the training and like, does he also do ultras? I know he runs. Yes, yes, yeah. So my husband Mitchell is definitely an ultra runner. Um, He's definitely more in like the trail and mountain um, kind of aspect of ultra running. Um, Yeah, you know, I actually, he's the one that got me into ultra running. I would have, I would have never, I don't think I would have ever taken the dive into like trail and ultra running if it hadn't been for him. Um, so yeah, we, um, you know, I had been running for a while and it, like I said, it was just for stress relief. Honestly, I had, I grew up in San Diego. I moved to Chicago for school, um, you know, and didn't know anyone. And I knew like, okay, Quite the difference. Know, San yeah. Diego to Chicago. I know. Um, so I knew I'm like, okay, like this is a completely different, you know, climate here. I don't know anyone. Um, it was the first time I had made like a major move, um, away from like family and things like that. So I knew I'm like, okay, like, like when you're placed in a situation like this, you definitely need to be able to manage your stress and in a healthy way. Um, so I'm like, before I turn to, you know, anything that's unhealthy, I'll just try to focus on getting like starting off with running, um, and just being consistent with that. Um, and yeah, I'll never forget, um, before my husband and I started dating, I remember he texted me and was like, Hey, um, would you want to join me for my long run? (laughs) And it's, I laughed because at the time, like, the longest, it, like he, what he was referring to was like seven mile run. Okay. Um, so it's funny, you know, anyone that knows my husband, um, he ran like the Tahoe 200 
race oh, um, wow. in 2019. Um, so yeah, it's, it's funny to look back Seven on how far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, you know, when we started dating, um, you know, we were really, we were running like road half marathons and marathons and things like that. And just, just for fun, um, we ran the Chicago marathon, I think like for the three years we were there. Mm. Um, and yeah. And then I, I don't remember like what it was, but at some point, you know, this was back in like 2012, 2013. So ultra running had definitely been popular. Um, and there was definitely like, you know, super talented professional runners within the sport, but I don't think at that time it had really gained as much traction as it has now. Um, and maybe that's, you know, honestly, maybe that's due partly to the pandemic too, because a lot of trail and ultra races were able to go, um, as opposed to some of the road races, yeah. but, um, it was a little bit before that, like larger boom, um, in trail and, and ultra racing or ultra running. But, um, but yeah, my husband was like, Hey, you know what, let's, you know, there's like trail running and there's these different races we could do. It's totally different from like road marathons. Like let's do it. Um, so we ran a few 50 Ks, um, before my husband was like, Hey, let's take on a 50 miler. Um, and at the time I thought, oh my gosh, this is like the, my max, like yeah. I'm already like feeling it with these 50 Ks. Um, so we trained for the North face, um, Wisconsin 50 miler. I can't recall what year that was, but, um, at the time I thought, okay, this is the longest I'll ever go, especially <laughs> on trail. Um, and then, you know, I think maybe it was like two months later, um, my husband Mitchell was like, well, you know, we should probably, you know, there's this hundred miler out in the Grand Canyon. Um, we should do it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I like, this was never like a goal of mine. I don't know anything about going this far or long, um, like through like mountainous terrain and things like that. Um, but yeah, so we ended up signing up for it. Um, I then quickly realized that um, the reason why he'd kind of planned all this out is because he ended up proposing at the finish line oh. of that of that hundred miler, our first one together. So um, that was kind of the big push um, for me to like for both of us to complete the race. Um, I was chatting with another friend about this, but uh, my parents were out for that race as well, and. I remember I was just like, I was at fifth, we were at halfway and I was like, you know, I was sitting down and I was telling my dad, I was like, dad, I was like, I really don't want to finish this. <laughs> like, I just like, don't feel like it. it's dark. I want to lay down and go to bed. Um, that was the first time that I'd had to run through the night, um, you know, with no sleep or anything. And my dad, I just remember my dad being like, I know it does kind of stink right now, but you should finish this race. Because <laughs> um, my, um, my parents did know that uh, my husband was proposing at the finish. So Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. The 100 miler will always be marked as like the start of your marriage or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it is really special. So. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So now that you have this national championship. Yeah. Explain to us, like, was that a golden ticket race? Like, can you get into Western states now? Right. It's actually not. Um, so um, it's not it, the national championship was not a golden ticket race. Um, however, I mean, it definitely is definitely a goal of mine to run uh, run Western states, um, whether that's through the lottery. Um, I have a couple a few tickets now um, just from over the years. Um, I haven't gotten in yet uh, via the lottery for anyone that's familiar with it. It is super, super hard to get yeah. in. Um, just because of like permitting, they only allow like 369 runners. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of different roles, but, um, but yeah, that's definitely something that's been on my radar. Um, I've chatted with a few friends that have run Western multiple times. Um, yeah. And I would love to, um, like go after a golden ticket race, um, in the future. So, so yeah. now that you have won this race and, you know, you finished ahead of someone named Camille Heron, <laughs> do you like before when you were like, I want to do Western States. Yeah. Do you have a more competitive mindset about what you would want to do at Western States now? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think um, like and you kind of brought it up, too. But um, I think it's taken me a long time. And like I said, I feel like it's an ongoing process for me to accept the fact um, that like I am like in this elite space in ultra running. Um, yeah. So I, I yes, you're absolutely right. I do feel like um, I'm kind of starting to see this shift in mindset um, that like you know, I'm not just kind of randomly lining up anymore. Um, you know, I do, I have the ability, um, mm -hmm. you know, to train and, and go for um, more competitive, um, you know, places, uh, placements within uh, these races and things like that. So, um, yeah, I have a few personal goals. Um, 
that I've nailed down, um, particularly looking towards um, 2022, um, that I had written down as goals um, in, I want to say like late 2019. Um, but at the time, I really thought like these were like pie in the mm. sky. You know, I thought, you know, I'll dream big. Who knows, you know, if I'll be able to get there. Um, but yeah, it's been exciting to see kind of my my fitness and my training just from consecutive years of like aerobic base building kind of come together. And like I said, I thought these initial goals that I had set were maybe years and years from now. Um, but it, it's exciting to see that it's it's actually much sooner than I anticipated. So yeah, and I don't want to sound corny, but it's one of those no. things where like, you kind of feel like when you put yourself out there, at least for me, yeah, I always you sometimes like doubt yourself, like, do people wonder like, well, who does she think she is? You know what right. I mean? And until yeah, you like totally. fully believe it yourself, it's probably yeah. not going to happen. Right. Whatever yeah. it is. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely, um, you know, I feel like what happened with this national championship race, it's like, you know, I, I don't, I had a few friends, like I said, like my friend, Micah, I had my friend Jake there. Um, they've both um, been on team USA. Um, but other than that, and even like at the award ceremony, the race director was even talking about it. Um, you know, I kind of, I, I don't want to say I kind of, I definitely went into this race as like the sleeper. Um, yeah. Just because like, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of uh, like talk and advertisement about the national championships just because it was like one of the races of the year, at least for the hundred mile distance um, with the field. Um, you know, and I, I don't really think anyone I mean, I definitely wasn't mentioned in it. And it's, I don't have a chip on my shoulder about this, but I mean, sure. it's just a fact. It's like, I wasn't mentioned at all in any of the pre-race briefing and, and rightfully so. I mean, I hadn't, you know, I'd, I'd raced Tunnel Hill, but this was, you know, kind of my first larger, um, you know, elite race. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's, um, I, I think I really did need to kind of, um, lean in and lean into my training, trust it. And then, kind of own the fact that, um, while everyone else may have said like, yeah, there's definitely a potential there. Um, yeah, I definitely had to actually believe in it myself in order to have the day that I did. So, yes, they won't forget your name next time. <laughs> to <mention it. laughs> um, your Instagram profile says you are limitless. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I've always really, really liked that. I mean, it's not really like a quote by any means, but, um, you know, I, I also coach runners too, um, in addition to my patients and I've always noticed how much like, like my belief in someone else can be my encouragement of someone else. Like, even if they, I mean, like we just mentioned, like we always need to have that self-belief before we can kind of take things to the next level. But, um, you know, I always tell my patients and my athletes, like, don't ever put limits on yourself because you don't know, you don't know what can happen. You don't know what others are doing. Um, you know, and we can really achieve anything that we put our minds to. Um, and like just using myself as an example, like I, I'll tell anyone that asks, I never in a million years thought that I would find myself in this position, but it is like 10 years mm -hmm. of just consistent training, um, you know, and just kind of being focused more on the process, um, than anything and just not being too greedy, um, mm -hmm. along the way, just being patient about it. Um, you know, and maybe that, maybe none of this would have happened if I, you know, put a limit on myself, like, oh, you know what, I've, I've peaked at like a 320 marathon. Maybe I'll just put distance running to rest. Um, yeah, I mean, no one should have limits and, um, we can achieve so much if, if we just continue to stay at it and stay patient. Hey friends, a quick break here to thank Athletic Brewing Company for supporting this episode of the podcast. Athletic Brewing Company brews the most delicious craft beer and it's non-alcoholic. The founders, Bill and John, started Athletic because there was nothing like it on the market. They're craft beer lovers who want to cut back on alcohol without compromising flavor. They realized that the innovation and interesting flavors that they loved in other craft beers just weren't available in non-alcoholic beer. So they brewed the beer that they wanted to drink. It turns out there were lots of other drinkers looking to moderate or abstain from their alcohol consumption, but they also enjoy the taste of good beer. Now they have recently expanded their brewery and tap room on the East Coast and just opened a new brewery on the West Coast. Now this beer is an award-winning craft beer and it only has 50 to 70 calories per can and it fits in for any beer occasion. So you don't have to compromise your social life or choose between having great beer and keeping your edge. 
I love what Athletic Brewing Company is doing. I personally have been cutting back on my alcohol quite a bit, but I do love to have a yummy drink in hand, especially when I'm hanging out with friends on a Friday after work. All right, so you all can go to athleticbrewing.com, use the discount code ANOTHERATHLETIC15, and you will save 15% off if you're a new customer on your first purchase. Again, go to athleticbrewing.com, use the code ANOTHERATHLETIC15, and you'll get 15% off if you're a new customer. And also don't forget, if you buy more than two six-packs, you'll get free shipping as well. All right, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Stephanie. How do you stay motivated? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Something that I feel like I get asked a lot. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not like this superhuman that has like unlimited motivation. That's definitely a myth. I don't think anyone is like that. Um, I think what's been helpful for me is that I have created like a a daily habit out of running. Um, like I, I think Des Linden actually initially, um, spoke about this, about how like to her, like going for a run is just like brushing her teeth. She's made it a part of her daily practice. Um, and that's something that really resonated with me. Um, I can't remember when she shared that, but um, for me, it's like that, you know, making it just a part of my everyday life um, has made it easier when I'm like, you know what, I'm so tired. Like I'm home from work, like after clinic. Um, I, I don't feel like doing this right now. Um, and yeah, it's just something that it's just become a part of my life. Um, so that kind of helps stand in for when I'm lacking the motivation. Um, Along those same lines, though, too, I feel like, you know, you're always going to have more motivation if you're actually excited um, about the goal that you've set. Um, I see that a lot with like some of my athletes where it's like and we've heard this, too, where I feel like a lot of folks feel like, um, you know, they they have to run a marathon, you know, like each fall or like each spring and each fall. Um, And that's like not for everyone. Um, You know, not everyone, you know, enjoys the road marathon distance. And just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean you have to, too. Um, So, yeah, I mean, for me, I probably would have benefited from focusing on other distances and things like that. But, you know, I I really did want to return to the 100 miler. um, And I'm really glad that I did. So it was something that excited me. I love that you bring up like just because everybody else is racing the road marathon doesn't mean that you have to race the road marathon. Like, right. yes, it is so exciting to see people yeah. grabbing these like marathon PRs and going mm-hmm. sub four, sub three, whatever their goal is. And yeah. it's easy to get caught up in like, oh, I need to do that too. But if that's not yeah. bringing you joy, you actually don't need to do that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of this space that I, you know, kind of had to address and I found myself in. Um, you know, after I had, I ran a big PR at Indeed, but, um, you know, it was short of like what my fitness said that I, you know, should run, should have ran on the day. Um, but you know, I had an opportunity to race. Um, I was signed up for Houston. Um, but it was just becoming very evident to me that my heart just wasn't in it. Mm. Um, I had just ran a big PR, um, and I just, my heart just wasn't in turning around and trying to like hack off another, you know, nine minutes on it. I mean, Physically, like, yeah, I'm sure I could have, but, you know, just because you physically can doesn't mean that you should, um, you know, and I found myself lacking motivation um, and that's because my heart wasn't in it. Mm. Um, so anytime I have athletes that are, you know, I, they're like, oh, I'm just not motivated. I don't feel like going out for this run. It's like, well, let's sit down. We can always pivot just because you set a goal for one thing and, you know, and then halfway through you decide that your heart's not really in it. There's no reason why you can't pivot. Um, I think that's really important to be flexible with yourself and, and gentle with yourself. Um, because yeah, sometimes we think something sounds fun and exciting and then we get into the meat of it and it's like, well, maybe I don't feel like doing (laughs) this. And, and that's okay too, because, you know, I, like I said, I'm not a professional runner. Um, my athletes aren't professionals and, you know, it's not something that we ever have to do. So Yes, we need to remind ourselves of that. Yeah. Um, my son reminds me of that. If I'm like, I don't want to go run, he'll be like, well, you don't have to go run. And I'm like, you are right. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm going to go right. do it, I should probably not say I don't want to go do it. I need to right. reframe my thinking here. Yeah. I'm going to do it yeah. anyway. Right, right. Um. Okay. Well, I know you also, you coach with uh, Mary, Lift, Run, Perform. So yeah. you just do all the things. 
Yeah, I know. I, um, I really enjoy it. I'm so glad um, that Mary and I connected. And um, this is something that I've started to do because it's something that's brought me a lot of joy to, uh, to coach other runners. So. so I imagine that you have to cap your size of athletes you coach pretty small considering all your other responsibilities. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is something I like, I definitely am not in a position to go like full time with coaching yeah. by any means. Yeah, I, I do have to be careful. Because um, like I even, you know, and I, I think I, I might have mentioned this um, in the past, but um, even like with my own training, um, you know, I'm always really cognizant. Um, like I have, obviously, I have goals and I had goals for this past race, but I didn't want them to detract it all from my athletes. Um, you know, it's that's something mm. that's important to me. Um, so yeah, that is a really good point. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has just been wonderful. I was so excited yeah. to talk to you. Um, Me too. Congratulations. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I appreciate it. So exciting. Um, what's yeah. something professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Yeah. Um, you know what? I've actually always wanted to write a book. Um, so even though um, I am, you know, science based, um, I did like my undergraduate was like in human biology. I actually minored in English literature. Um, okay. and, yeah. And journalism. Um, that's always been like a big passion of mine um, is writing. I love to write. Um so yeah, I've been kind of mulling that over. Um, that's like a long-term goal. I don't know when that will actually get up and off the ground. But yeah, I would definitely love to write a book someday. Like a memoir type book? Yeah, um, something in that in that realm. Um, and then maybe not like, not like a self-motivation like style, but something along that, mm-hmm. along those lines, just kind of based on my own personal experiences. So I love it. Yeah. What is the best, most recent book you've read? Ooh, yes. I, um, full disclosure, I have, I feel like I haven't been reading as much as well, I should or normally like would be. <laughs> a million miles a week and running a practice. I know. Um, well, I would definitely have to say the best book that I've most recently read is Bravey by Alexi Pappas. I know that's been a very popular book in the running space. Um, but definitely a favorite of mine. I think largely because, um, you know, it's her book is different than some of the other books that like professional runners have released, um, and because she is a writer first and foremost sure. and, and, and a poet. So I feel like that just added a really neat element to the book. Um, I'd highly recommend it to anyone. So is she, is there poetry in the book or just in the way that she writes? I think like each, each kind of chapter that she starts off with it, it does kind of, like, I would probably call it a poem. Um, okay. but yeah, it is, it is more so in the way she writes too. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's a really, really neat book and just so emotional as well. It really like tugs at the heart. Who is someone fun, motivating or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with? Yeah, I think I would, I was thinking about this. I'd probably have to go with either um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus oh. or <laughs> or Catherine O'Hara. I'm just, I'm such a big sucker for comedy and those two are hilarious. Um, yeah, I would love to have a cocktail with either of them. They're so funny. So that's a great answer. Yeah, I love um, I love how like um, just like how active Julia Louis Dreyfus or Dreyfus is like in like everything. I mean, she's very like outspoken about things, and she's obviously so funny. So she'd be a great person to meet up with. If you could dance really well, sing really well, or be really funny, and maybe you are one of those, I don't know. Sure. What would you choose? I would choose to be really funny. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I actually grew up um, doing competitive ballet. I definitely would not say that I'm like a very good dancer anymore. I feel like running has kind of taken away all sort of like <laughs> flex- flexibility or um, like grace that I may have had. But um, I'm definitely not a good singer. Um, so yeah, I would go with being really funny. I, I like stand up comedy and The Office and all those types of shows. So me too. I mean, I like would just love to be one of those people that could do stand up comedy. Like I think that would be such a dream. I can't imagine Mm -hmm. how challenging it is. I know. Yeah. Oh, that's my great. My favorite thing is to find a good stand up comedy special. So people need to bring some more out on Netflix because I feel like I've burned through them all. Yeah. Yeah. The Tennessee yeah, kid. Have you seen him? Yes, I have. Oh my gosh. I, that's actually, I was just thinking about him. I couldn't remember like his, um, his name though, but yeah, we, yeah, we recently watched that. I always say, I always accidentally call him the comeback kid. Yeah. <laughs> but he, yeah. I love his 
style. It's like so chill. Yeah, yeah, it is really chill. Uh, So there's something to watch, everybody, if you're looking for Mm -hmm. a good laugh. He's on, I think he has a new special on Netflix. So he has an older one too on there. So there's a couple. Yeah, they're both really funny. Um, Okay, what is your last message you'd like to leave with our audience today? Um... Let me see. I would probably say, like, keep things fun. Don't take yourself too seriously. Um, You know, you can be serious about your goals and you can, you know, take your training really seriously or not just training. Like if you're listening and you're like, hey, I'm not a runner, you know, I'm in something different. Um, Like you can take all of your goals really seriously um, without just totally zapping the fun out of things. You know, your the process and the journey doesn't always have to be so rigid. you know, and strict, like a strict regimen in order for things to go successfully. Um, I feel like that's been, you know, kind of a part of my recent success with running is that I've just been really, really flexible and um, not just not so hard on myself. You know, I think we, a lot of times we're like, oh, if I don't hit these paces, it means I can't run, you know, I'm not gonna be able to run this or hold this time in a race. That's just simply not true. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have bad days, um, you know, and I would say that, more often than not, you know, in my training leading up to the national championships, there was workouts that I cut short. There were things where I was like, you know what, I just, I can't get to this 30 mile long run today. I'm going to have to cut it at 27. And that's just an example, but, um, you know, I'm just gonna have to cut it a little bit short. I'm tired and that's okay. It's always okay. Um, you know, and along the way, if you have failures or you have successes, I always just like to stay in the middle, um, stay humble about it. Um, know, continue to put in the work. Um, and you can't fail when you when you have that type of mindset. I love it. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you. Okay, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing your story. Don't forget to head over and follow Stephanie on Instagram. You guys won't regret that. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. I also host the parenting podcast, Why Is Everyone Yelling?, check that out. My most recent episode is with my husband, Glenn, where we say we give expert advice from non-expert parents, meaning us. Actually, most episodes I am interviewing experts, but this past week, it was us non-experts on the episode. Uh, You can learn more about all of our sponsors and everything we talked about in the show. When you go to lindsayhine.com, that's where the show notes are. If you are on our email list, you'll get those emailed to you directly. If you're not on the email list, you can always be added. Email Emma, Emma at sandyboyproductions.com. That's my assistant, and she will get you added to our email list if you want added. You can also just fill out the form on my website, lindsayhine.com. I think that's all I got for you, friends. Thank you so much for joining us today, and have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, we'll see you next Friday.